0: long time no see welcome back to the next episode of the christian athlete paradox man we've got a good one today and it's so good to be back sorry for the delay in posting this you know semester got long we got multiple things were juggling but man it's so good to be back and i'm so fired up for what we've got coming today with spencer ferrari wood the head coach of the national football team in belgium and i it's going to be a great conversation and i'm so excited for it uh, but stay on the lookout for some new stuff coming up we've got a lot of it, really interesting things in the works and i can't wait for you guys to hear it but you know with that being said let's get right into it i just
1: got to take my time is the rest of my time i just got to take, take my time, I just gotta take my time.
0: Hey guys, what's up? I'm here with Spencer Ferrari Wood. He is the head coach of the Belgian national football team. And I'm so excited that we got a chance to sit down and talk with him. It's going to be a really impactful message for you guys to hear. Um, So a little bit about Spencer. He grew up in the U.S. in Atlanta. So for any of you listening in Atlanta, that is where he is from. He played and coached throughout Europe, uh, in Germany, Australia, Poland, and Belgium. Currently now in Belgium. And I think it's such a cool take to hear from your side of the coaching world as a player and a coach. And just being around the globe, I think it offers some cool insight. Uh, so, Spencer, I'm really excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, it'll be cool to talk faith and sports. Obviously, I've, I've been a college athlete too, um, and then now coaching, kind of professionally, so to speak, over here. It's it's been a lot of cool experiences, and I'm happy to share.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, let's dive right into it. I think there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about today. So, let's go right into it. And I'd love for you to kind of incorporate a little bit of your story into this, but you know, you've lived in the U.S. and several countries throughout Europe, um, and I think we're quick to notice things that are different. Have you noticed differences between, you know, American Christianity and Christianity in European countries, you know, good or bad? Like, what differences have you noticed?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a Christian home in the States, uh, especially in, in the South, in, in the Bible Belt. I mean, Christianity was something that Pretty much everybody was comfortable being around, um, not to say that everyone was a, a Christian who has really been transformed by the message of the gospel, but they were comfortable with being in a church setting or if someone mentions God, it was kind of normal. And, and I, I mean, I lived on the West Coast, East Coast, in the Midwest, and that was still kind of uh, the same pretty much everywhere. When I went to Europe, though, I think it was a little bit different, you know, because America was founded, you know, with uh, on the Christian faith. Uh, and I think, you know, Europeans, you know, a lot of European countries are not kind of backed on the christian tradition and a lot of them that are are very steeped in like catholicism and so i think a lot of people's view of religion or god or faith or spirituality or what have you over here is either you know something that's just very far off or it's something like well you know i go to to mass once or twice a year god is this i think distance you know being uh, that i can't really have a personal relationship with and so I think it's been cool to kind of see, um, see the differences in kind of the view of faith over here compared to the States. But I think one thing that's been refreshing, the people that are Christian over here, in my experience, a lot of them are really sold out and it's transformed them. I think back to my experiences in the States where I became a Christian when I was six. And I have no doubt in my mind that when I became a Christian, it was genuine, it was real, it was authentic, but it didn't change the way that I lived. And up until I was 19, when I really feel like I started following the Lord, I didn't really grow in my faith at all. Um, and then when it finally got a hold of me is when I really wanted to read the Bible, not because I felt that I should, but because I wanted to. And that's when I started praying all the time, not because I felt that I needed to, but because I wanted to. And I think over here in Europe, you have a lot of people who were kind of thrown off by faith or religion and don't look at it necessarily in a positive way. But the people that you know are Christians or really identify with that have really been transformed and and that impacts the way that they live. And I think that's that that's a big difference because I think there's a lot of Christians, honestly, that that have, I wouldn't want to say like theological knowledge, but like have a, a baseline understanding of Christianity. You know, it doesn't matter how much theological knowledge you have if that theological knowledge doesn't transform the way that you live. I mean, the book of James says even demons believe. So I think it's not enough just to believe, but, you know, if that transforms the way that you live. And so, so I see Europe is a place that's improving. Um, you know, the faith is being shared here and it's cool to, uh, to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. Having lived in America and now Europe to see the differences. I think one of the things I would point to American Christianity as saying is it's almost become diluted and there's this opportunity for, some people to go deep and some people to acknowledge that Jesus exists. And there's everywhere in between, you know, I, I'm going to find the level of Christianity that works for me. Um, and so I think it's really interesting that you said that the people that are interested and the people that are, you know, Christians out there are really sold out. And I think that's, I think that's what God's calls us to is to be sold out for, for him. And it's, you know, obviously we want as many people to, to come to know him the way that we know him, but I think it looks different. You know, I think we'd rather have people that are sold out than rather than people that are, kind of in and kind of out you mentioned some of the differences in just the faith side of it but do you think you notice the way you coach has to be altered
1: yeah for sure so Belgium's kind of funny country and and I didn't know this until I moved here but Belgium is kind of split in two in terms of you have Brussels which is the capital and it's right in the middle and everybody north of Brussels this is a general statement but everybody north of Brussels is in Flanders and they speak Flemish which is a dialect of Dutch, which I know is confusing. Uh, everyone in the south of Belgium speaks French. Uh, and there's actually a little corner that speaks German on the German border. And so, you know, I coach the national team. And so we have, you know, the best players from all over the country. And it's, it's changed the way that I coach because there's a language barrier because there's a lot of people who, you know, English isn't something that's, you know, used a lot in their home or their work. And so they're not super comfortable in English. Um, obviously, a lot of people speak English well and fine, but it's, it's a second or third or even fourth language for every one of my players and coaches. And so, yeah, it's changed the way that I coach because I think I have to kind of really rely on simplicity and breaking things down, you know, because I mean, for me not to get too, you know, schematic on you, but one of the staples of our offense, cause I also am a play caller on offense is like, we want to play fast. And it's like, if you're thinking you're not playing fast. <laughs> so, so I want to like, how do we make it simple where they can just go and execute uh, something simple. And I, so I think, you know, having a little bit of a language barrier, you know, it's it's definitely changed the way that I coach a little bit. And then I think American football, which is what they call it here, uh, is it's still a minority sport. I mean, soccer is king over here. Um, basketball is a big sport, handball, rugby, stuff like that. So football is like, it's just a minority sport. And so it's not the number one sport for a lot of people. And so there's there's still a lack of knowledge about the game anyway. And it's really funny because I remember when I first came to Poland in 2014, I saw some of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life, but it was like a 27-year-old who's just like a sick athlete, a physical specimen, but I'm having to teach him like, hey, this is what a slant route is. This is what that means. Or like, I'm teaching them what cover two is, like things that a lot of American youth know, uh, and you're trying to develop their physical side of things. We're over here in Europe, like, they're already great athletes, but you have to really kind of develop, like, hey, this is what football is, and this is what we're trying to accomplish on this play, and this is what this coverage means. And so it's, it's different from coaching in the States. You know, I, I coached a year of college football in California, and it was a totally different dynamic because you're dealing with younger athletes, but they also know a little bit more, but they're also – let's say less mature in some ways too, but just because they're younger, they're college kids. And so it's different than coaching, you know, a 27 year old guy with a wife and kids. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely some different dynamics and it's, it's been funny, but uh, yeah, I, I think football, anywhere you go in the world, football is football. It's the same way with the gospel. Honestly, it's like, you know, it might be in a different language or, you know, you might approach it in a different way, but the gospel will always be the gospel. Football will always be football. Baseball will always be baseball anywhere you go. So I think that's, right. that's been cool.
0: The thing that came to my mind as you were saying that is, is show because you can't speak, not, not because you can't speak, but because the, the language is different. You have to show them what you want. You have to show yeah. them how to do that. And I think that's a, a really, really cool parallel to our gospel is that you can't just tell people who Jesus is. You have to show people. It matters so much more of what we do rather than what we say or, or how we say it, you know? Yeah, for sure. You, you kind of hinted at it too, but I think sports seem to be, this universal language. And we've, you know, we've seen it throughout history to bring people together. Um, How do you use coaching to open the door for you to share the gospel with whether it be your coaches, players, their families, fans, like, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes I I think like it'd be so much easier if I was coaching at like a Christian school where all the coaches are Christian and all the players are Christian. And I can just be like, Hey, this is what what I believe. This is what we all believe. This is what you believe. And everything's great. I think it's, it's different when you're over here in a culture. And I'm sure this is, you can relate to this being at a division one school too. um, Mm -hmm. That's a public school or, you know, not a Christian school. I don't want people to view me as like, I have some covert operation where I'm trying to just convert everyone on my team secretly. I'm using football as a way to do that. But under the surface, I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, but I kind of am <laughs> at the same time because it's like, yeah, I mean, football is just the medium for me to instill not only lifelong values to people, but to share the good news with people as well. So that is the underlying theme here is like, yeah, I, I do want to use football as a vehicle uh, to share the gospel. But I also don't want to turn people away if they think I'm just trying to, you know, evangelize of them and that's it. So it's been interesting. And I think one way that I try to do that is, you know, everything that I teach and coach is based on biblical principles. So that doesn't mean that I have to get up and preach to my team. You know, every single time we have practice, I don't explicitly have to share the gospel every single time that we meet together. I don't even always have to say Jesus's name or Christianity. Um, but I think, you know, the, as you said, I, the way that I coach the way that I live hopefully should ultimately reflect or demonstrate, you know, Christianity. And there's, there's a verse that comes to mind too. And I remember thinking like, if I was at a Christian school uh, I remember thinking like, man, there's no better verse than having a, a football team or any sports team than first Peter two seventeen. 17. Uh, I came across this recently and it says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. I remember thinking, like, man, how cool is that? Because it's like, you honor everyone, so you treat everyone with respect. Love the brotherhood. You know, we're always going to love one another, love our teammates, go go to battle with them, and then fear God. I think fear God is a term that's a lot in the Bible. People know how to understand fear, but I had a a pastor tell me one time that's kind of a healthy respect for God. And so I, I think I try to I try to incorporate things like that into the way that I coach. So I'm not saying like, Hey, we're all Christians and this is my faith. And it's what we do, but it's like, Hey, we're going to respect everybody. We're going to, you know, not fight because we hate what's in front of us, but we're going to fight because we love what's behind us. You know, we're going to love each other. And then, you know, we're going to have a healthy respect for, for our creator. And I think that's, that's uh, something I've tried to do over here. And it's been interesting, you know, kind of how I've, I've been able to have some cool conversations about the gospel as a byproduct of that
0: do you think how you share the gospel has to be altered at all? Like, would you share the gospel different, you know, back at home versus in Belgium?
1: Uh, That's a good question. Um, You know, it's funny. I was, (laughs) I was looking at your Instagram page and I think in your bio, you summarize this really succinctly. It says preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. And my home church in Atlanta is uh, passion city church. They have a big conference and it's quite a big church and,
0: I signed up for that. It's free online this year. Go check it out. It's awesome.
1: Passion conference is amazing. I only went there once in college because I was usually out of state or something, but it's incredible. Um, But pastor Louie, I mean, he's my favorite pastor ever. I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think he's also just such an incredible messenger of of the good news. And I remember he gave an example of this a little bit one time he said in a perfect world, which 2020 has proven that it's not a perfect world, but (laughs) in a perfect world, you know, you should be able to share the gospel with someone without ever having to say a word. So for example, like as a Christian, a non-Christian should view your life. And again, ideally, the non-Christian should come to the Christian and say, look, I don't know what it is that you have, but you have something that I don't have. And I don't know what that is, but I I want to know what that is.
0: What is the common denominator? Yes.
1: Yeah. And and it's like, I think, you know, that, that should be the thing that propels people to to be drawn to Christians. In fact, you know, the the word Christian like that came from like old believers in Antioch, you know, back in, you know, 20 AD. And it actually meant little Christ was like what the the word came from. So it's like Christians were not just people who said like, oh yeah, I I said a prayer when I was four and now I'm a Christian. It's like, no, they're actually viewed as like little Jesuses everywhere because they were so closely identified with that. And like, they lived in a way that demonstrated their beliefs. And so, yeah, I think it's brilliant to try to, you know, okay, how do I live? It's almost like, you know, we're in sports, we're, we're competitive, we're always trying to compete in different things. It's, so it's almost like a game to me, like, all right, how can I get someone to approach me Without ever really sharing the gospel with them, but at the same time, I'm clearly demonstrating gospel principles. So it's almost like I kind of like compete with myself about that. Like, all right, I'm tr- try not to be too preachy. Practice today, but I- I'm going to try to do some things that you know will enable a player to be like, "Hey, coach, what did you mean by this?" And then it's like opens up a whole other conversation. So I don't think that's necessarily different in the states uh, or in anywhere in the world. I do think sometimes you know Christians in, in the states we kind of Americanize the gospel. And we think, you know, we look at the great commission and, you know, we go to all nations and we're going to share the good news of people in English. And I think that's great. But I think we also have to keep in mind that, you know, when we think about heaven, it's not going to be in English. well, I guess I can't say that for certain. Maybe it will be, but I'm saying everyone will be kind of,
0: you know, it's a a native tongue. It'll be native. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But, but it'll all make sense. I'm sure when we're there, but I think American Christians have to keep in mind and remember that there's people every day, like that might, there might be a Chinese speaker, communicating to a guy in Arabic in Saudi Arabia, sharing the gospel it has nothing to do with America, nothing to do with English. And I think that that's been really cool. And I think one thing for me, you know, one of the cool experiences I had when I came over to Europe and kind of understanding that the gospel isn't an America thing. And I know this probably wasn't your question, but I'm kind of just getting off. on a little No, go for, on go for it. Go for it. Was I remember the first time I experienced worship in another language it was super cool because obviously for the first You know, 20 something years of my life when I had experienced worship, it was like always in English because that's what I understand. That's what I speak. And so I remember I was living in Munich, Germany at the time I was coaching there and I went to an incredible church. It's actually a Swiss church, um, but they have multiple campuses in Austria and Germany. It's a German speaking church. And so I actually had to go to the church and I had translation in English, which is new for me. Um, and it was really cool. I mean, we would have German songs, like worship songs, and I would, you know, try to learn the stuff. And I'm, you know, trying to like worship in German. And it was really cool to kind of take a minute, like, look around, and see and hear all these Christian people worshiping the same God that I worship in a completely different language that I don't understand, but God does. And I think that was like a really humbling, kind of cool moment. As like an American Christian, you know, you go to a different place and in Europe, I mean, people all the time think. Americans are so exotic. And oh, that's so cool. Like, have you been to Hollywood? Are there really so many McDonald's everywhere? Like, why aren't you fat? I, I thought all oh, Americans are fat. Um, and so I think they have this kind of romanticized version of like America as this exotic, fresh place. But it's, it's cool to, to the flip side of that for an American to go somewhere and experience worship in another language. I think it, it really is humbling. And yeah, I think it makes me realize how, how big and glorious and magnificent God is that all these people in all these languages Worship him in their own way, and it makes sense to him, but it might not to me. Um, But that's been been
0: cool. Forgot what the
1: question was, but
0: (laughs) no, no, I'm not sure it matters. After that, that was awesome. Uh, You know, Psalm 96:3 declares glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. I think that's that is you know the great commission. That's so cool. You know, to transition a little bit, I guess. You know, when I'm playing, and I'm sure when you're playing, like there's a professionalism between me and my coaches. You know, do I want to know them? Do I want to be able to? speak the gospel to them yeah i do but there's still like this degree of professionalism that always has to be maintained do you find that like it's difficult to show a personal jesus and a personal faith to them you know while still maintaining that i guess
1: yeah that's a good question i think it's it's hard you know i think as a christian i think you you want to share the good news with people but i think sometimes you don't want to step on toes or drive people away by being you know too forced with it i guess but I think at the end of the day, it always comes back to what you said. It's the great commission. Like we are called to essentially the, the Christian life broken down. Like we are called to be discipled and make disciples. That's what we're here to do. And I think, so, so it always comes back to, yeah, how do we share the gospel? And I think as we already talked about, like we want to demonstrate and exemplify the gospel in the way that we live. But I think at the end of the day, I think sharing the gospel itself is is paramount and you know, the gospel can be a tough pill to swallow and it should be, it's the most important decision you're ever going to make. I mean, I think, you know, we don't need to water it down. I think a lot of churches try to be too cool and hip and trendy and just kind of share a very saturated version of the gospel that really isn't the gospel, but it's like, man, the gospel should be a big deal. It should be something that it's almost hard to talk about because it's, it's such a huge thing. It's like, yeah, what I'm sharing with you, This is really important to me. It changed my life. So of course I should be like almost a little nervous to share it with you because like this will radically change yours as well. And I think, you know, there's, and again, this is going off from from your question a little bit, but I think, you know, going about, you know, sharing the gospel. I think a lot of Christians and a lot of churches do a lot of really good philanthropic work in terms of, you know, giving shelter to the homeless, feeding people that are hungry, taking care of people, you know, that are in need. And I obviously am all for all those things, but I think sometimes we we forget about the gospel in the midst of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I know this maybe sounds a little contradictory to what I just said about, you know, we want to share it, you know, or live in such a way that people will come to us. But at the end of the day, like we are called very clearly in scripture, you know, to, to share the good news of people. And I think, you know, the the radical thing about the Christian faith, and this is harsh, but I mean, this is, this is what the Christian belief is. Like, we can end wars. We can end racism. We can end hunger. We can end poverty. We can end abortion. We can end sickness. But if we still don't share the gospel with people and people still don't believe the gospel, then the Christian belief says they're still going to hell, which is a harsh reality. And like, I, it's hard to say that, but like I heard a, a pastor, I uh, forgot who it was, say something like, you know, we can tend to people's physical needs by giving them water but if you don't share the gospel with them, then you just send them to hell hydrated, something like that. (laughs) Uh, And I know that that's, again, a bit like harsh, but I think like at the end of the day, it always comes back to, you know, how to to share the good news with people because if it's radically transformed my life, why wouldn't I? If I discovered the cure to cancer, I don't want to just like hide that in my closet and not want anyone to know about it. I would be like, send it to the masses. Like, man, you guys got to see this. You guys have to understand like, this is great it'll change everything. And I think, you know, for those of us that have been transformed by God and, and his saving grace, we should talk to people about it. So I think we do that by demonstrating that in the way that we live. But at the end of the day, I think we also do that by explicitly sharing it um, with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, one of the things you said that was, resonated with me was that yes it's harsh but if we don't accept ourselves for the sinfulness that we have and that we are then we don't ever see our true need for the savior as harsh as it is i think we're so quick to look at ourselves as better than we are and when we get caught up in this in this moralist view of you know i'm not that bad you know we compare ourselves to others i'm not as bad as him i didn't do this then we don't ever recognize that no like I'm in desperate need of a savior to do something in me that I can't do in myself. You mentioned it a little bit before about, you know, the word of God and Hebrews 4.12 says for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two edged sword. And I think just the beginning of that for the word of God is living and active Um, and how we share the gospel. Yes, it matters, but it also doesn't because the Holy Spirit's going to work through us no matter what. And he's going to work in the way that the other person needs to hear it and work on their heart in a way that we can't do it because we're not God, you know? Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: You know, that was kind of what I had for looking at, you know, the differences. I think everything you shared was spot on and hit home. And I think it's honestly kind of got chills from it. That was, that was really cool. But I also, you know, I ask everyone at the end of the podcast, if there's something that you could tell whoever's listening, you know, whether it be players, coaches, families, and friends, you know, if you could be bold and tell them one thing, what would you tell them? Um, Yeah, I think something I, I wish
1: I would have understood better when I was younger is that, you know, there's no growth in the comfort zone. And there's no comfort in the growth zone. And I think a lot of us in sports, we understand that well, because, you know, when we come on a college campus, our coaches are there to take us to a place that we never maybe thought we could be. And so so we understand that, but I think, you know, life begins, you know, when you really exit the convenience of your own comfort zone. And I think to give a biblical example of this, you know, right now I'm, I'm going through the book of Daniel, a book that I haven't really studied, I think in a long time. And whether you're Christian or not, I think a lot of people, they know, or they've heard of Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, Maybe when they were a kid, you know, Daniel was in the lion's den, he was thrown in there and he survived and it was amazing, you know, courageous, you know, act of faith and all that. And I've been going through that recently. And I think what I've realized is like, you know, why was Daniel, why was he not tripping in the lion's den? Why wasn't he scared? Like, why wasn't he like, oh man, this sucks. My, my life is about to be over. And I think it's because, you know, the book of Daniel, he was an, like an exiled prisoner who was taken from his homeland, sent to another place. And him and his buddies, uh, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Benego, like the, him and his buddies have just been like put to the test over and over and over again, and God always came through, God always delivered. And so they, they had faith and they had faith and they had faith and God always came through. And Daniel eventually became, you know, one of the most trusted people in the entire kingdom. And so I think, you know, by the time that he was in the lion's den, he was like, I'm not gonna be scared now. <laughs> like I, I've put my faith in God over and over and over again and over and over and over again, God has come through for me. So why would I be scared right now? Because I know that God is his, his perfect. He's completely faithful to me, even when I'm not faithful to him. Um, and I just really love that example of kind of stacking faith. And so I think, you know, when we're able to stack our faith, it makes it really easy to have faith, just like, you know, creating any kind of habit. It's hard to start a habit because it's new and it's changed and it's different. But once a habit becomes a habit, it's just normal. Like, you can look at this with anything. Like, it's hard to get in shape when you're out of shape. But when you're in really good shape, running isn't really hard because you're in shape. If you're reading the Bible every single day, reading the Bible tomorrow isn't going to be anything new because that's what you're accustomed to because it's become, you know, part of your identity, part of who you are, a habit. And so I think when we stack our faith, uh, it makes it easier to have, you know, faith in the future. So I think we we're kind of being kinder to our future selves if we have faith today so that we can have more faith tomorrow and so i think daniel's a really good example of that but yeah i think yeah there's there's no growth in the comfort zone there's no comfort in the growth zone and uh something i wish i would have learned when i was younger
0: i've never heard i've never heard stacking faith before and it's something that i've definitely like looked at and said like oh if he's gotten me through this this and this you know i'm here uh, but i've never heard heard a name put to that before to anyone who's listening you know you can say you know, oh, well, God hasn't actually got me through XYZ before, you know, I'm brand new. But if you actually look at it, he has, because it got you to this moment right here where you're hearing the gospel. And so I think that's, you know, I've never heard that before. I think there's so much to be said about, you know, getting outside of your comfort zone, but like the stacking faith thing that that's, that was new. That's really cool for me. I've never heard that.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll share one other quick thing too. And I think this is maybe for those of you who would know identify as christians but i think also for those that are not christians uh something really elementary that's going to be a very simple thing but something that will change your life as it changed mine is man like read the word and i know that's like you've probably heard that before whether you're christian or not but there's something transformative about the bible it's unlike any other piece of literature in history i mean even if you look at if you compare christianity with every other you know faith out there. I mean, and again, I got this for pastor Louis. actually, he did a sermon on this. He said, you know, if you look at the author, there's 66 books in the Bible and it's authored by over like 20 people and the like authors. 40. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. By a lot of people. And like all those people are some of them are over two, 3000 years apart. Didn't know each other, but the common denominator is God. And like, he kind of worked everything together for good. And it's like when I wasn't really following the Lord, when I finally started reading the Bible and I said, let me just check this out. Like, I don't really know what I believe. I say I'm a Christian, but I don't really, I, I profess Christianity, but I don't really possess Christianity kind of thing. Let me just kind of dig into this. And I remember reading the, the Bible for the first time and it shook me because there is so much stuff in there. And trust me, when you start reading the Bible, you'll open it up and you're like, man, the more I read, the more I realize how much I don't know. And that's okay. Because man, I experience that every day. I think every answer to life is in there and God won't give you every answer explicitly, um, you know, like, hey, what do we do during a global pandemic? I mean, yeah, that isn't found on the pages of Scripture, but how we react and how we respond and how how we go about these crazy times, those are all in the Bible and they're littered on all the pages. Mm-hmm. And then we all have access to that. And I think there's there's just something different about God's holy word, His breath on a page for all of us. You know, I know David said it best. You know, in Psalm, in Your presence there is fullness of joy, and it's like you know we find fullness of joy by knowing God and delighting in Him. And again, that's something that I I really wish I could go back in time when I was 16 or 17. And I wish I would have understood, like, man, if I really know and delight in God, I will have fullness of joy. Uh, and it took me a little bit longer. But I think now, you know, I experience so much more peace and joy and hope because of the pages of scripture that He's given us. So I think anyone listening, whether you're a Christian or not, like, man, get in the Word and just let it transform you because if you let it it will and it will radically transform your life and yeah i would would encourage anyone to do that and we'd love to hear your story
0: about how it's transformed you yeah man amen that's awesome
1: i feel like a preacher i'm like just read your read your bible
0: uh, but, but see, it's true and, and you know i have a bunch of teammates that have come up to me and said you know, you know like man I, I don't know how to I, I, I can't and and i used to be so against the message version because i felt like it took god out of context but If that's the, if that's the gateway into the Bible is to read the message, read the message. And then if that's the gateway into, you know, reading a different version of the Bible, read that. And then if that's the gateway into church, God's given us so many tools and resources to see him and to, to, to understand who more of who he is. And so you got to start somewhere, you know, like, like you were saying, it's, it's easy once you're in it for a while, but man, it's so tough to get started. But I would just echo what you were saying that you will find him if you look. But the Bible yeah. says, knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Yeah, no, I, I love what you said too about,
1: yeah. And to be honest, I, this is to be a whole nother conversation, but like I don't read the message because I think the message is more of a commentary than a little trans, translation. Agreed. But man, if that's the thing that gets someone to go to church or go to a, a small group or uh, read a different translation, whatever, like, man, by all means, like get in there and, and learn some stuff because I remember, um, Tim Tebow, when he was playing at Florida in the national championship game, he was wearing a John 3:16 was written on his eye black. You don't even a lot to to do that anymore. I think. I don't think you are. Yeah. But back then, this is like in 2010 or 2009, he had John 3:16 written on it and, you know, he would score and he would do like the Tebow pray thing. And I think some people kind of gave him a hard time. Like, you know, Tebowing became a thing and they asked him about that and he was like, man, I think the fact that prayer is being talked about is cool. You know, and in fact, I remember the day after the national championship, some some Google people said that like John 3.16 was like the most searched for phrase or term that day or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. man, how cool is that? That a bunch of people probably who are not Christians, Google John 3.16. I can't imagine, you know, the the compound effect that I could have had like, whoa, what, is this? what does this mean? Or like, oh, I've I've seen it somewhere. What does that actually mean for me? So by all means, man, if, if the message is something that is easy to read or if you want to listen to a podcast like this, if that's kind of your entry point, or if you want to listen to like a worship album because you like the style and that's the thing that kind of gets your mind going, man, soften up your heart and and let that do its thing. But whatever it is.
0: Yeah. There's, there's so many ways to like, you know, if it's, if it's Christian rap, we were talking about that earlier. If it's Christian rap that gets you into it, if it's, if it's something that points to Jesus without necessarily saying Jesus, and that's where you have to start, start there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's little faith that leads to big impact. I think that's...
1: Stacking faith, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Spencer, you got anything else?
1: Man, I think I'm, I'm all tuckered out now.
0: No, uh, that was awesome. I, I really appreciate you joining us and, and just offering wisdom and, and being faithful to what God's put on your heart. I think there's so much to be said for that and for the way that you're spreading the gospel right where you are and where God has called you to be. Honestly, we'll, we'll be praying for you in that. I just, you know, thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. And I think, you know, Christians and athletes shouldn't be a paradox, but it's viewed that way, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't be. Uh, so it's cool that you're talking about these kind of things and creating conversations for people to have and to open up some dialogue about, you know, okay, what does it really mean to to be, you know, an athlete who's a Christian? And so I, I'm I'm happy to, to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And hey guys, as I always end it, you know, we got some some cool stuff in the works coming up over the next couple of weeks, but I'll leave you with one thing as always guys go hokies I just got to take my time for your meditation is the recipe